It is so good to worship with you guys. It is so good to be able to spend the night with you and uh, and to be encouraged by you. I, uh, I am the parent of children your age, uh, some of which are not following Jesus and singing the songs, and uh, you guys are a huge encouragement to me. So uh, how's everybody doing? Did I already ask that? How's everybody doing? It's good to see you. Uh, Travis called me, or actually texted me, because that's how we talk. Uh, a couple days ago, apparently, uh, his flights got changed and uh, asked me if I could do this and just talk to you guys tonight. So glad to be able to do that. If you don't know me, my name is Mark. I work here. And uh, it's been my pleasure to be the pastor of our church for 15 years. Uh, and tonight I'm going to continue what I think you've been doing. You've been in Je- uh, the book of John, the Gospel of John. Is that right? We're going to go to uh, chapter 13. We're kind of turning the corner in Jesus' story. Uh, he's heading... Um, well, he's been in the last week of his life, his earthly life, uh, before his crucifixion, and uh, now he's uh, taken the, uh, uh, the last turn, uh, the last corner into his crucifixion. He's going to gather with his friends in an upper room and, uh, and celebrate like we're going to, at the end of uh, this time, uh, the first uh, remembrance of him. Uh, we do it Post his uh, death and resurrection. He did the first one before he died. And he said, whenever you partake of this, do this and remember to me. So I um, look forward to do both of that with you. But if you have your Bibles, John chapter 13, I'm going to talk to you about service motives and then some service moves. Stay with me. Hey, turn to someone next to you though. And before we get into what we're talking about, uh, tell the person next to you the last butt dial you did. Has everybody done a butt dial? You know what I'm talking about? Can you remember the last butt dial you did to who it was? Go ahead and tell them who it was. Go ahead. Everybody has those, right? They all, they all, uh, they all occur on the regular. Uh, last night, I was talking with a buddy of mine who's a pastor in Austin, Texas. Got off the phone and started a conversation with someone else here at the church. Uh, I was teaching at the five for five thing we're doing last night, and put my phone in my pocket and uh, you know dialed him. I didn't mean to; it just happened. And apparently, walked you know for five minutes as he's yelling, you know, Mark. And anyway. Uh, finally, I figured it out. I hung up. He called me back. I don't know why people feel like they need to do that. If you've heard that it's a butt dial, just don't call back. But he calls back, and it was embarrassing. That's how that goes. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, beyond the butt dial, though, my least favorite uh, faux pas or foul up with a phone is the text that goes to the wrong person. Has anybody had this one? Okay, all the married people in the room, uh, or soon to be married, or whatever, just be careful what you text uh, to your spouse. Uh, and, and understand that every once in a while, like my sister's name is Erin, E-R-I-N. My wife's name is Eleanor. They're very close to each other in the phone book, in my whatever. And so I was um, being uh, a husband to my wife uh, in very obvious ways uh, and uh, um, saying things that I would not have said in any other company. Uh, but I sent it to my sister. It was very, uh, very unfortunate. Awkward. So she wrote me back and uh, said, is this for me? And I was like, no, that was not for you. I apologize. Forget everything that just happened. Uh, some of you are like, what is, why is he talking about phone stuff? Well, I, I think um, in this subject that we're, we're about to tackle here with service, 
Um, a lot of times when it comes to serving, people um, uh, send out lots of messages or lots of efforts in their serving, but their, uh, their efforts don't always land at the feet of God. Uh, they kind of can uh, serve for lots of different reasons with lots of different motives, um, but not, ultimately not uh, accomplish service to God in ways that would glorify him. A Christ follower, can we all agree with this? Christ follower is a servant. Like uh, Paul calls himself the, the bond servant of Jesus. It's, it's basically, if you read your Bible, you're gonna see it a lot. If you're with God and you love God and you wanna follow God, you will be a servant to God. And I know so many of you here uh, serve at our church and in lots of other ways in different ministries. Um, uh, but my question, and you don't have to answer it out loud, but my question is why? Why do you do that? Why do you serve? Um, many of us grew up going to church, just might be what you understand the culture to do. It's what we do. Um, but I, I want you to, as we go along tonight, just uh, ask yourself, of yourself, why do I serve? Why did I serve? I think there's lots of wrong motives that people have for serving. Uh, turn to someone next to you. Tell, me what you th- tell each other uh, when it comes to service, what might be some of the wrong reasons to serve? Wrong motives, wrong motivations, uh, wrong ideas about service. Go ahead, turn to someone next to you. What, what might some of those be? like you might have had a few things there. Remember I was a youth pastor before I was a, a, whatever I am, and uh, uh, we, were, uh, we were going around the first uh, week of, of the school year in ministry, meeting some of the new leaders, and one of the guys that had just joined the ministry team, we said, okay, well, you know, what, what made you decide to be a youth leader and be a part of this thing? He says, well, I'm really hoping to meet my wife. That was his chief like aim in being a servant. I was like, well, you and I need to talk after. Anyway, uh, uh, that would not be a reason to be a servant. Uh, what, what were some of the ones you guys came up with? What, what were some of the reasons you said uh, would be wrong motives? Anybody? Yeah. Get something out of it. That's a great one. Remember that. We're going to talk about that. So you're talking personally to get, like for me. Okay, good. What else? For praise, for shine. We'll talk about that one too. For fun. Really? <laughs> oh, good. Ah, <laughs> uh, there she goes, under the bus, all right. Uh, any others? Those are all great. You can serve for fun. I didn't mean to read, respond. Kayla's a great answer. All right, uh, any other reasons? Let me go through the one, you've already given a couple that I would, I would give, but I'm, I'm gonna try to get through these quickly. We're gonna get to John 13 in a second, but um, what are some of the wrong ideas that are often associated with service uh, in, in, in terms of serving God? Well, a lot of times we serve God um, and I'm sure nobody here does this, but if you are doing this, please stop. Uh, we serve God in hopes that he'll love us more. Maybe you're even here tonight and you're thinking that if I serve God, he'll take me into heaven. That's like somehow a condition of my entry. Well, we sang a lot of songs tonight about grace and, and the gospel. And if you're not clear on the gospel, the gospel has uh, little to nothing to do. Well, I'll just start and stop at nothing. It has nothing to do with your efforts, okay? Um, yeah, all the other religions are due our religion or our faith is done. The work was done for us by Christ 
at the cross. So our faith is a faith. We believe in what Christ has done, not in the things that we can do. And, but so many times in our church and in my you know, 30 almost years of uh, being a pastor, people come up to me and they, they basically say, well, good, you know, uh, in so many words, God's gonna love me more because I did this, or God's going to accept me better because I did this. Now, don't get me wrong, God loves it when we serve him. He approves and appreciates, but his love for us can't go any higher. Everybody gets that? Like uh, even on your worst day, God loves you perfectly, infinitely, uh, without waning. His love for you never changes. His uh, approval of you and, and uh, acceptance of the things you do, that, that can change. Read the Old Testament. Israel went back and forth with that. But his love for them never fails. Uh, I remember going to uh, baseball games where you could actually get tickets. This is way back, probably too long ago, but you could actually get tickets to a baseball game by bringing canned food in. Like if you brought like five cans of food, they would let you in to see a baseball game. How great is that? I think a lot of Christians, that's, that's what they think though. If I, if I serve, you know, some certain amount, uh, God will let me in. Uh, that's not how service is meant to be motivated. Uh, we can serve for the shine it brings. I think someone said that for the praise it brings us. Um, I can serve because it makes me look good on, on Facebook. I remember... Uh, uh, we're building this building back here, and, and when we were doing the dedication and the prayer for it, they, they did the photo op. You ever seen a photo op for a building that's being built? A bunch of people who have nothing to do with the actual building of the building hold shovels and turn over a spade of dirt like they're actually doing something at this building. Totally disingenuous. I didn't want to do it, but uh, ended up playing along. Uh, but they, why'd they do that? So they could put a picture in some publication. Uh, and sometimes people serve for the picture, for the for the notoriety, for the, um, the, the shine. Uh, we can serve because it makes us feel good. Someone said that. Uh, it gives us self-esteem. Uh, sometimes we serve for penance, to make up for the things that we've done wrong. Um, we can serve uh, with hopes of receiving in return from our God, like karma, right? So if I do this for God, I hear this all the time. You guys are, many of you, farther along spiritually than people your parents' age and older, because I hear it all the time from people that I counsel and disciple uh, that uh, if, if I do these things, God will do for me. I found out today that a, a close friend of ours, she doesn't think this, uh, but a close friend of ours has just been given a, a diagnosis of terminal cancer. She's got nine uh, to 12 months to live, and she's in our life group, and it's devastating. I don't, it's, it's one of those things that's got kind of slow burn, like I heard it around four or five o'clock, and it's starting to hit me now. You ever had one of those things? Because I had so much to do that I, that's where I am right now. Um, but I've met people like Cindy uh, who, as soon as they hear the news, say, okay, well, I gotta get going. Because if God's gonna answer my prayers for the miracle that I need to stay alive and love my family and stay here on earth, I gotta get going because I've gotta do enough things uh, that you know somehow the spiritual Bitcoin would be enough that he would provide for me in return. And that's just not how service is meant to work. We don't serve so as to receive. Um, it's just not the right reason. Uh, here's another one that wasn't mentioned. Uh, we serve because God, because God needs us to serve. Uh, this is apparently not true because if you've read these verses, you, you've understood this to, uh, already. In, in Acts 17, verses 24 and 25, Paul's standing in front of a bunch of, of very learned men in the uh, city of Athens, 
Uh, he's giving a, a defense of his faith, and he says to them, uh, the God who made the world and everything in it, uh, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, uh, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He's, so that's, that seems like a real downer for the whole service thing, right? Because Paul's saying, hey, God doesn't need anything. He doesn't, it, but the key there is need us. Okay, God is self-sufficient, does not require our existence, chooses to give it to us, uh, does so so that we might glorify him. He wants us to serve him, absolutely. But does he need us to serve him? It's a different thing. Um, God loves and chooses uh, us. He blesses us with his grace, invites us to be a part of his work, but ultimately we need to understand that we're necessary. You know the picture I had when I was thinking about this? Uh, I still have a vivid memory. Does anybody remember the first time you were like old enough to help your dad with something around the house? Um, one of the first things I remember helping my dad do was move a couch. We had to move a couch from, uh, we were kind of in the split level house. We were moving it from this one room. We didn't have a lot of rooms, but we were moving it from this one room down to another room. He brought a, a buddy over to, to help, but I was, you know, I don't know, seven, eight years old. And I was like, dad, let me help. So uh, he, he got on one end, my, uh, my dad's buddy got on the other end. He said, okay, Mark, you hold the middle. Okay, so picture pudgy, you know, eight, nine-year-old me here. Um, I'm like, okay. And they said, okay, use your legs. You know, that whole thing, one, two, three. And then they picked the couch up, right? And I'm standing, anybody seen a little kid like standing in the middle of a couch, you know, grunting and you know, was I holding any of the weight of the couch? No. Uh, they got to the stairs and you know how you have to, to kind of cock the couch up or, you know, whatever. And, and it actually got out of my reach, right? But I'm still standing there in the middle of this thing being like, I got it, dad, I got it, right? I, I wasn't even touching it. Uh, I think that's what's supposed to happen as we serve our Savior. Uh, at least we should have our understanding of, of what's happening when we're doing it right. We're, we're, we're not touching the couch. Like I get up here and uh, I pray. Did I, did I pray this? I forgot to pray. Hang on. Let me show you how I pray when I preach. Father, get me out of the way and speak in my place. And that's what I pray when I preach. When I'm doing preaching right, it's not me doing it. Uh, uh, the father is on the ends of the couch and he's making it happen. When Corey is leading worship right, he's not leading worship. The spirit is leading us through him. When Forrest is singing, when Stephanie, whatever, when you guys are doing what you're doing for God, um, you need to understand that he doesn't need us. He invites us. And when we serve, we serve at his behest, under his uh, grace and by his power. Uh, these, these ideas of serving for shine or serving for what it will bring me or serving for um, all these other reasons. Uh, they're not the reasons that the Bible cites as our purposes in serving God. So let me kind of go through some of the right motives. And I know you know these, but let me just review some of them. Um, we serve our God because we've been served by our God. Everybody agree with me on that? Uh, to me, it's the only logical thing. One of my one of my first verses that I memorized as a kid was 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 19. I think they, they took all the short verses in the Bible and they used those, you know, when I was a little kid for kids to memorize because they were easier to do. So first verse I memorized, you may want to guess, Jesus wept, that's correct. Uh, but this was close behind. And it says, we love, uh, John writes, we love because, anybody know? He first loved us. Who's heard that one memorized it? Okay, you can probably memorize it tonight. You'll have a Bible verse memorized. 
We love because he first loved us. What's that mean? It means that you and I are able to love or will love or uh, will be fueled in our love, not because we're super awesome lovers of people and God. It's because God has loved us, shown us what love looks like, and it's because of his love that we are able to love. Well, I think the same is true of service. I'm not gonna rewrite the Bible, but we serve because God's served us. He, he first served us, showed us what it looked like in his son, Jesus. We see the template. We're gonna actually read it tonight in John 3, 13, uh, some of the ways that he taught us to serve. Um, but prompted by God's love uh, uh, and, and understanding his grace to us, we should live this life that we have with him, uh, seeking to serve him. Thank you for the ways that he has served us by his grace and through his son, it's a sacrifice on the cross. Uh, secondly, we serve God because God has commanded us to serve. It's a matter of uh, logic. He served us, so we serve him. It's a matter of obedience. He told us to. As our authority, that's how we roll. We do what he says. Uh, it started early. Uh, the first time that God instructed service of mankind was in the Garden of Eden. He tells us in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, that the Lord God took the man, that's uh, before Eve came around, and he put him in the Garden of Eden, and he told him to work it and to keep it. Uh, we are, as humanity, the vice regents, the caretakers of God's creation. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that we were created, uh, to glorify God chiefly, be an authority over what he's created as his servants. That's our purpose. As we go through the rest of Scripture, we see in lots of places, but here's one in Galatians chapter five, where we are specifically commanded to love and to serve one another. In verse 13 of Galatians five, Paul wrote, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Through love, serve one another. Um, just because we've been set free in grace by Christ, it doesn't mean that we go and live for ourselves, obviously. Because of so great a salvation, we go and live a life of service. Now let's get into John 13, and I'll finish up with our time together. Another reason that we should love is uh, we serve because, like Jesus did, we love God and others. Uh, look at chapter 13 of John, verse 1. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come uh, to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now what's going to transpire or flow from this is we're going to see Jesus wash some stinky feet. Uh, he's going to become a servant, a literal servant. He's going to do servant's work for his friends. Uh, but what, what's the motivation for that love and for his love that took him to the cross? which was another, uh, his greatest act of service to us. Um, it was his love for those who are in the world. He loved us to the end. Uh, love for others has a way of making servants of us all. In fact, I would tell you this, uh, just as a guy who's been married, who's had kids, who's worked in a church, when I'm not serving, I'm not loving. They, they, go, they go hand in hand, right? But, or, or how about this, when I'm not serving, uh, I'm loving me more than I'm loving the people I could be serving. Um, this isn't confession, so I'm not going to walk through all those, but uh, it happens too often. You may know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you're married in here, uh, you, you'll struggle with that because you'll always um, 
the inertia, the gravitational pull of self is strong. You'll want to love you more than you love your spouse. You want to love you more than you love those kids. That's God, you know, if God gives you those, you're going to want to love you more than you love the people in your life group or the others who come here on a Thursday night. You're going to want to love you. And when love is misplaced, when love is not directed toward God's first, God first and to others, it keeps you from being the servant that you've been called to be. So this friend of mine, Cindy, who's in my life group, who just got her diagnosis. You can pray for her. Her husband's name's uh, Dennis. Uh, so Cindy and Dennis, if you would pray for them, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Cindy was texting me the news. Cindy's uh, kind of like me. She just gets to it. No fluff. So the text came across my phone and was just like, all right, here's the deal. They're not going to do any surgery. There's going to be no chemo. Uh, it's just palliative care, which is basically make her comfortable. And they're hoping for 9 to 12 months. And then this is what she wrote. She said, I'm okay. And if you know Cindy, she is. She's okay. She has her, you know, just like anybody in that situation, she'll have her moments. But she's made her peace with God. She's kind of been preparing herself for this eventuation. And uh, she's okay. But what was the rest of her text about? Would you please? And then she starts lifting off, listing off her husband, Dennis, and her family and those that are around her. Would you please make sure uh, to, to, to check in on and to love on and to serve and provide? I'm focused on those around me, even as I get the hardest news of my life. What a testimony, and, and, and what an example of what Jesus did here in John 13. Uh, he's like less than 48 hours away from dying, and he's omniscient. Don't, don't think for a second. He doesn't know why he's come to earth. He doesn't know what awaits him. He knows all that is coming. And still, even with that on his horizon, he finds time to take a towel and wipe some stanky feet. I want to just finish up our time uh, because I know many of you have served and will continue to serve. So grateful for you guys to be the future of our church and many churches as God moves you around. Um, But as you go from here, whether it's to immediate service in any of the ministries here at our church or in a future service, whether it's as a lay person or if God leads you in a full-time ministry, remember these service moves, okay? Just a few service moves and I'm done. First one is this. Uh, always seek to be the somebody who becomes a nobody. Be the somebody who becomes a nobody. Okay? Christianity is uh, it's not a hidden faith. We should you know, always be ready to share the joy that's in us. We should be unashamed of the gospel, right? Absolutely. I'm not saying you cower, and, 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 but it's a, it's a humble faith. It's a meek faith. It's a faith that seeks to set self back put God and others forward. Um, one of the hardest things for my personal um, you know, walk is, is remembering that I'm nobody. I'm, I'm, when it comes to what really matters, I don't. And uh, it's from that attitude that we'll be able to best serve. Read the text. During the supper, verse, 12, or verse 2, uh, when the devil had already put it into the heart of this guy, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, a little foreshadowing there. Most of you know the story. Uh, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Listen to this description of our Savior. The Father has given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. That's quite a dossier. That's quite a resume, right? He's got everything in his hands. He's come from God. He's going back to God, all right? If there's anybody at this dinner that should be served, it's that guy. It's our Savior, 
Did he sit and wait? No, he saw an opportunity to serve and took it. So this Jesus, who had been given all things, had come from his father, was going back to his father. In verse four, he rose from supper, and he laid aside his outer garments, and he took a towel and tied it around his waist, which was totally the uniform of a slave. All right, if you were going to a dinner back in those days, and you saw someone come in with a bowl or a basin of water and a towel around, you, you knew who the guy was, okay? There was no mistaking it. It'd be like wearing a uniform and working at McDonald's. That person is here to do a job. It says that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Uh, you've heard this preached before probably, but that was the lowest job. It was like the, the bummer job of a slave. So like all the slaves wake up that morning and they're handing out the duty roster and, and, and it's like, all right, Jim, you get the feet today. Oh, can't I like feed the animals or something like that? Don't you want me in the kitchen? I'll do the dishes. No, sorry, bro. There's going to be 13 guys or whatever it was, 12 guys, 13 guys. Yeah, it was 13. Anyway, there's going to be 13 stinky-feeted you know, Jews in here. <laughs> and you, sorry, <laughs> that sounded bad. And, uh, and you get to rub the dirt off their feet uh, after they've been walking through the streets of Jerusalem, uh, which had no... Has anybody been to a third-world country where there's no... Uh, Sewage, uh, that can get kind of fun. And I kid. Uh, so he was doing the, the least job, the worst job of a servant. Uh, he took a, a basin of water and he washed the disciples' feet and wiped them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Uh, this is really hard to do if you think you're somebody. If you think uh, you, you are someone that you're entitled, that you deserve, service is going to be hard for you. Because there's going to be times when God is going to ask you to serve in ways that are going to seem beneath you, that are going to seem um, too much. It's too much, Lord. It's too much to ask. Uh, but if the Son of God himself would take the least, and the worst of the jobs at this dinner party, perhaps you and I could find it in ourselves to serve as he serves. Yeah, we've got to get rid of the idea that we're somebody. We've got to remember uh, that we are nobody. It says in Galatians, Chapter six, uh, Paul writing there to that church. who was really, uh, the church was struggling because there was lots of people in it who thought that they were somebody. They were teaching a false truth, but they, their, their, their hubris was rooted in their fact that they thought they knew. They thought they should be you know, listened to. They thought they were important. So he, you know, if you read Galatians, he confronts the false teaching and then he, he reminds them of humility. And he says here in chapter six, verse two, he says, bear one another's burdens. It's like Bible speak for serve each other, carry each other's loads, and in doing so, fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is what? Nothing. He deceives himself. Uh, the story of the foot washing continues. He came to Simon Peter, it says in verse 6, and he, uh, Peter says to Jesus, he says, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said, yep. What am I doing? Uh, what I am doing, you do not understand, but, but afterward you will understand. He's, he's basically referring to, listen, like so many of the things I've done around you, you're not going to get it until I'm crucified, risen, uh, long after when you're teaching the first um, responders, uh, the first converts of the early church. That's when a lot of this stuff is going to be like, oh, that's what he meant. Wouldn't it be great to have been one of those disciples and been like, I don't know what he's doing. And then like a couple years later, being like, oh, that totally makes sense now. He says, uh, Peter says in verse eight, well, you're just not gonna wash my feet. Now we don't have any evidence that anybody else in the team had said this. 
Pete got to give Pete his props. Pete was at least aware that, you know, Jesus here, me here. He was the first to confess Christ as, as the Christ, as the Messiah. And uh, he's like, dude, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus says to him, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Now, Jesus isn't talking about the actual water in the basin here in, uh, in this room as being the conditions of Peter's connection to him. He's, he's going metaphorical, larger here. He says, listen, if, if you aren't washed by me, what I'm about to do on the cross, then you'll have no part of me. It's him pointing to the gospel and the, the message that Peter would proclaim. Uh, but Pete says, well, listen, if that's the case, then Lord, not just my feet, but also my hands and my head, let's, let's take a shower here, spray me down. Um, and Jesus says to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, uh, but is completely clean. And you are clean. Then he says this, but not every one of you is clean here. Who is he talking about? Yeah, that was kind of a softball, but Judas was the only guy at the dinner party that wasn't clean. He just said to Pete, listen, you know, I'll wash your feet, but I know you're with me. I know you've put your faith in me and my message, and, and you're good, you're cool. But there's someone here um, who isn't. There's, there's one uh, who has refused to believe. And that brings us to the next thing about serving. Be, be the somebody who is a nobody who is willing to serve anybody. Be the somebody who is a nobody that's willing to serve anybody. Says, Don't miss this about the washing story. Jesus washed his betrayer's feet. Like when it came to Judas's tootsies, he wasn't like, yeah, not you. Because I know what you're about to go do. No. Every indication from all the accounts of this in the Gospels that Jesus washed every foot. It says in verse 11 there, for he knew who was to betray him. And that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet, all of their feet, and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? The answer to that was probably not. Uh, but later in life, they probably were like, oh. So Jesus showed us that as somebody, you should become num- nobody, and that as somebody who knows he's nobody, who empties himself, like it tells us in Philippians 2, uh, that nobody should be willing to serve anybody. Even if that person has hurt us or that person like the Good Samaritan story is someone not known to us, uh, even if it will cost us uh, to be able to serve that person, those are the things that we need to be willing to do as the Holy Spirit leads. So I was in college at a place called Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and it was about uh, three blocks from, at the time, one of the biggest uh, um, housing projects in America. It's called Cabrini Green. And uh, at Cabrini Green, all kinds of gang troubles and stuff like that back in the days of, uh, you know, NWA and all that stuff. Anyway, uh, uh, so uh, we had ministry teams that would go into these Cabrini Green projects and, and just re- try to reach the kids, the gangbangers. One of the ways we do that is we had this really sweet gym uh, at Moody, still do, uh, that uh, the guy who makes Ping Golf Clubs, anybody ever heard of Ping Golf Club? Doesn't matter. He's a rich guy. His kids went to Moody, and so he totally pimped out this gym uh, at Moody, and all the NBA teams would come to Moody's gym to practice before they played the Bulls back when Jordan was there. It was so cool. Uh, but we would use that gym, basically bring city kids in and just do basketball clinics with them. It was one Saturday morning, I was on the basketball team at Moody, and so all of our team was there to be kind of the coaches and the assistants and whatever. And, uh, and these particular kids come in, and you could tell 
You know, they were, back then the colors thing was even more prominent, so they were wearing all their gang colors and stuff like that. And they had been partying hard the night before, that was obvious, smelled of it, right? And they're all there in their street clothes, you know, fixing to play basketball, which is kind of funny. But uh, this one kid was particularly belligerent. Wouldn't do anything that we said, you know, threw the ball at his friends, just that kid, right? The punk. Uh, so he finally, you know, towed the line enough that we could start, you know, running the clinic and doing the practice stuff that we were doing. And all of a sudden, uh, this kid just bends over at the waist and pukes all over the floor of the gym. Just, I mean, and his friends are laughing at him, pointing at him. You could tell, so he's this, you know, big, bad, you know, uh, whatever, bully. Uh, but as soon as he, you know, from all of his partying the night before, lost his lunch, he became the little kid that he really was, right? And uh, he was humiliated and uh, was fixing to walk out the door until one of the coaches on my team, his name was Sean DeMoss, he's the holiest, one of the holiest guys I've ever met. You ever met that guy? It's like, are you one of the members of the Trinity? You're that holy. Um, he, just did, he just did life right. He just, there, uh, there, there's only three members of the Trinity. Anyway, I know that. But he just did life right. And I'll never forget his example to me in so many ways. And on this day, Sean did it again. Sean was like a 30-year-old guy uh, who just humbly served. And where everybody else, this kid's friends and all of us who are just kind of like, good, he's gonna leave. Because he was messing up the whole thing for us. Where everybody else was just like, good, go. Sean met this kid and walked with him. Spent the rest of the two hours of that clinic just talking with this kid. Got him cleaned up, gave him one of our shirts, one of our jerseys. Um, esteemed this kid, served this kid, loved this kid, right? Because Sean understood what Jesus was trying to convey here in this upper room. Even if they disappoint you, betray you, um, stand in your way, mock you, they still deserve the love of God through you. Um, Finally, uh, be someone who serves like Jesus. Um, Jesus goes on in his uh, teaching. He says, do you understand what I'm talking about? He says in verse 13, he says, you call me teacher and Lord. You are right, for so I am, okay? If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, that's his listen up. He says, hear this. I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. What was he saying when he said that? A servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Let me take a guess as to what he's saying there. I want to put you on the spot. Who is the the, uh, one who was sending? Anybody know who that might be? Starts with J. Jesus, good. Um, who is the, uh, the one who is sending the messengers and who are the messengers? Jesus was the one sending and the messengers were who? The guys in the room, right? So Jesus is saying basically, listen, I've, I've, I've shown you what this life is, is, is meant to be. It's, it's meant to be because I'm, I'm the one who sends you because I'm um, uh, the, the master uh, and I, if I do this, then you should do it as well. You know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Completely foreign idea to to our culture. Uh, It's actually something that's pretty foreign to us just in our 
our broken and selfish selves. The old man does not embrace service. But if I can leave you with these ideas for tonight, be the somebody who becomes a nobody. Be the somebody who becomes a nobody who will serve anybody. Be the somebody who serves like Jesus. That's the call of the Christ life. Uh, We're going to pray and then uh, it's uh, fitting that this text actually takes us right into the observance of the the Lord's Supper. Uh, That's where they're at. This is actually where it happens. And so I know you guys take uh, uh, the time to remember Christ and his sacrifice pretty much every Thursday, right? Which is awesome. Um, We're going to do again tonight. But as you reflect on uh, your Savior tonight, here's what I would ask you to do. Reflect on his service to us. Reflect then on your service to him. Uh, What parts of you are unyielded? Uh, Who are those that you have refused to serve? Um, Where is God leading you in service to him? Are you willing to go? Uh, Those are the things that as you contemplate his sacrifice and his service to us, I would ask you uh, to contemplate for yourself as well. Let me pray. Hey, Father, thanks so much for a chance to just gather uh, uh, in this place uh, with these uh, who are here. I I trust most of us have um, professed you by faith and and we have received Christ and his gift uh, that he won for us on the cross. Uh, We have been saved from our sin and we are free. We have been saved and set free to a life to serve ourselves. We've been set free to love and to serve others. Uh, to live as Christ has lived and uh, continues to live as a servant. Uh, So thank you for the ways that you've taught us that and led us into opportunities to do that. Some of these guys have been serving since they, uh, I first met them 15 years ago and they've, I mean, not that long, but along, you know, just their whole lives they've been um, set apart for service to you. Uh, But help us to do it with right motives, uh, with you as our goal, with you as our template. Help us to serve as Christ served, I pray. Uh, We thank you uh, for all that Christ has given us. And as we prepare our hearts to receive the emblems uh, that represent his sacrifice and his service to us, may we be mindful of where he is leading us and serving him. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.